Thank you, Mimo, for the nice introduction. So, uh, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to share my findings with you today. The title of my talk is Foxo1 Target GPR17 Regulates Appetite and Glucose Metabolism. I have no conflict of interest to, di to disclose here. Um, so, diabetes and obesity. Um, if you remember recently, last month, the conference Frontiers in Diabetes Research held in this exact place um, is focused on the topic emerging insights into the pathogenesis and the treatment of diabetes. Um, diabetes is a costly chronic disease. Obesity is a leading contributor to diabetes, with type 2 diabetes, which is a major type of diabetes. Why do we study diabetes and obesity? I'll show you a couple of um, points. First, um, we have witnessed a sharp increase of the prevalence of diabetes and type 2 diabetes in the recent decades, and the, the prevalence of diabetes and type and obesity is projected to continuous increase worldwide. And diabetes is a costly disease. Uh, according to the published data from American Diabetes Association, in 2011, 25.8 million people, that is 8.3% of the population, have diabetes. And in 2012, the cost of diagnosed diabetes patients is $245 billion, and that's a lot of burden on the taxpayers. So this brings up the urgency to study diabetes and obesity and to find a cure for these metabolic diseases. For my study, I'm particularly interested in the neuroendocrine regulation of appetite and the glucose metabolism. Um, the body weight is ultimately determined by the energy balance that is based on the intake of calories, majorly, mainly from food intake and the output of calories in the form of energy expenditure. Uh, hypothalamus is a key site in the brain that will regulate energy balance and the glucose production. The key neuronal populations <coughs> in the hypothalamus include, but not limited to, MPY, AGRP neurons, and POMC neurons. These neuronal populations and the second-order neurons together regulate the energy balance and the glucose production. The brain also senses the change of energy balance and the glucose homeostasis by sensing glucose and the nutrient signals such as fatty acid and amino acid. And also the, the brain is sensitive to adiposity signals in the form of hormones such as insulin and leptin. For this talk, I'll be focusing on the AGRP neurons in the brain and I will investigate how these neurons regulate energy balance and glucose homeostasis. The goal of my research is to find a novel molecular 
pathway in neuroendocrine system that regulates appetite and glucose metabolism. Uh, the outline of today's talk include, first, uh, I'll tell you how we identified the GPR-17 pathway as a potential target for neuroendocrine regulation. Second, um, I'll tell you how we analyzed GPR-17 regulates food intake. The last is a proof of concept study to generate and characterize the genetic models to investigate GPR-17 function in metabolic regulation. Hopefully with this, I will um, convince you that GPR-17 is the critical modulator for neuroendocrine regulation of metabolic uh, pathways. So first, let me tell you a little bit of AGRP neuron. AGRP neurons are localized in the arcuate nucleus of the hypothalamus. Um, AGRP neurons express arachidogenic neuropeptide, including AGRP and MPY. These neurons express insulin receptor and leptin receptor. They respond to the stimulation of both insulin and leptin. One key physiological function of AGRP neurons is to regulate food intake. For example, acute AGRP neuron activation rapidly increases food intake. While conversely, <coughs> acute ablation of AGRP neurons in adult mice causes a cessation of feeding and results in starvation. So clearly, AGRP neurons is tightly linked to feeding behavior. Um, but how? So for the potential mechanisms of feeding regulation, the first can be orexigenic neuropeptide because AGRP neurons produce AGRP and MPY. Those are the orexigenic signals. And uh, consistently, overexpressing of AGRP transgene results in obesity. Uh, brain de delivery of AGRP or NPY elicits hyperphagia. However, mice losing either AGRP, NPY, or both genes exhibit no feeding time. So what's still unclear is the endogenous factor that initiates feeding behavior. So as I told you before, um, AGRP neurons are also sensitive to the hormonal signals, such as insulin and leptin. Perhaps the hormone signaling in AGRP neurons regulate the feeding behavior. Um, people have done genetic knockout studies to address this question. For example, uh, when the insulin receptor is knocked out in AGRP neurons, the mice have no, there is no effect on energy homeostasis although it does impair insulin-mediated suppression of hepatic glucose production. While inactivation of leptin receptors in AGRP neurons results in a mild increase of body weight without affecting gross feeding behavior and energy balance. So, neither pathway appears to exert complete control over AGRP neuron-dependent feeding and energy homeostasis. So maybe we can ask this alternative question. 
will simultaneously synthesizing both signaling pathways cause a greater response? And if so, how to achieve this? For this, we turn to FOXO1. FOXO1 is an evolutionarily conserved transcription factor that regulates metabolism by responding to hormonal cues. Um, my colleague, uh, my colleagues, um, such as Rebecca Heusler, has done excellent work in the labor to show that FOXO1 regulates gluconeogenesis. And um, FOXO1 function is regulated by the hormone signaling. For example, insulin and leptin signaling inactivates FOXO1 by excluding it from the nucleus. This is before. This is uh, in the basal uh, in the basal environment without insulin stimulation. FOXO1 is concentrated in the nucleus. Uh, in the presence of insulin signaling, FOXO1 is kicked out from the nucleus, and thus is it is not functional. So, as I am interested in the brain, uh, we want to know whether FOXO1 is functional in the brain. A previous study from MIMO's lab has shown that FOXO1 is expressed in the central nervous system and regulates food intake. This is an immunostaining, showing FOXO1 staining in HRP neuron. Here, as you can see, FOXO1 is labeled in green, and this is arcuate nucleus of the hypothalamus. HRP neurons are labeled in red. In the merged image, you can appreciate that um, the green and the red signals merge together, uh, indicating HRP neurons do express FOXO1. So, since FOXO1 is a negative regulator for both insulin and uh, leptin signaling pathway, we hypothesize that maybe ablating FOXO1 in HRP neurons may simultaneously confer increased insulin and leptin sensitivity. To, do, to, to critically test this hypothesis, we decided to knock out FOXO1 in AGRP neurons. Um, this is a representative image to show you the FOXO1 staining in wild type and the conditional knockout animals. As shown here, AGRP neurons are labeled in red and the FOXO1 is labeled in green. On the left is the wild type animal and you can see that at the bottom, FOXO1 is present in the AGRP neurons, shown by the yellow merged signal. And in the knockout animals, you can see the green FOXO1 signal is selectively absent from the red AGRP neurons. So <coughs> the knockout approach is valid. What about the phenotype? I will tell you the results from the phenotyping, including food intake, body composition, and peripheral glucose metabolism, and central nervous system sensitivity to insulin and leptin. So first, how about the energy phenotype, energy balance phenotype? As you can see here on the left, FOX1 knockout animals have significantly less food intake during the 24-hour light-dark cycle. And this is specifically due to reduced food intake 
in the dark red, showing on the right uh, by the field bar. So these animals eat less. And uh, next, I measured uh, their sensitivity to their uh, metabolic changes to fasting and refeeding paradigm. Here, during overnight fasting, the knockout animals have significantly less locomotion, indicating less food foraging behavior. Once refed, the knockout animals have significantly less rebound food intake. So overall, this data in indicate that the knockout animals have increased satiety, and they don't res respond to fast and refeeding as well as uh, wild-type animals. And in turn, the knockout animals have altered the body composition. Can I ask a question? Yes. Uh, can you go back to that slide? So this is fasting locomotor activity at night. During the 16-hour period. Okay, so, so this includes well, this includes the daytime as well. Four they, hours of daytime. They wouldn't be foraging so much for food. I guess the question is, is this just that their total activity is decreased, or is it specifically food foraging activity that's decreased? That's a good question. So in the published data, we also show that their uh, activity um, during the ad libitum feeding time is also reduced, uh, but not to the extent as the fasting um, period. Um, Does this answer your question, or? Well, sort of. I, I, I guess the question is, do they just have decreased activity, period, unrelated to feed, to, to feed you? And I'm not sure we've answered that. Maybe, maybe you just haven't done the experiment to answer that question. Um, <coughs> we have not done that experiment particularly. I remember the published data from the Thomas Horace's group showing that the 31 HRP knockout animals have uh, changed uh, locomotion and uh, curiosity to the environment regardless of feeding. Regardless. Yes, uh, we have not tested in that aspect yet. Um, <coughs> we measured the metabol. Uh, we, me we measured the locomotion in a small metabolic cage, which is a really small confined area, and in the middle is a feeding tube. So the locomotion largely reflects of feeding behavior, but we have not done a comprehensive uh, behavior study to show the energy or you know, uh, curiosity something. But that's a good point. Maybe metabolic studies and the cognition um, they can be related. Thank you. Um, so, but we measured uh, whether the mice get fat or lean. So we used the, the, um, the we, we measured the fat mass and the lean mass of the animals. As shown here, these are the results from the uh, mice fed chow diet. Um, the knockout animals have significantly less fat mass, but increased lean mass. And this gets more pronounced, the difference gets more pronounced once they are fed a high fat diet. And uh, 
Now I'm going to show you the studies to measure their glucose metabolism. So we use the hyper-insulin um, limit glycemic clamp studies to gauge the hepatic glucose production. Here we used the body composition mass matched cohort for this clamp study. Uh, this is a measurement of glucose infusion rate for wild-type and knockout <coughs> animals. As you can see here, knockout animals require significantly more glucose infusion to achieve the plant state. Well, this is not due to the increased glucose disposal because the RD shown here is uh, complete, completely comparable between wild-type and knockout animals. Um, the hepatic glucose production indeed is significantly reduced in the knockout animals. Therefore, it is uh, really due to the reduced hepatic glucose production. So are basal insulin levels reduced or glucose levels increased? Uh, we did measure the insulin level. It's uh, comparable between wild-type and uh, knockout animals. Glucagon mm -hmm. has no change. So moving on insulin levels is more Those are not changed. Change. No. <coughs> um, then I measured the central nervous system sensitivity to insulin and leptin. Let me just ask you a question. Does that does that make sense to you? That moving on insulin would be normal, that they have decreased hepatic glucose output and normal fasting glucose? Um, does it suggest something else may be going on? In a way, I think it can make sense either way, I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, as uh, my hypothesis is that uh, the AGRP neuron regulates hepatic glucose production from, uh, um, from the sympathetic system that may be independent of glucagon regulation, um, but we have not done a careful denervation experiment to show that. Um, for the insulin and glucagon measurement, what we measure is a uh, um, snap, snap, snapshot, mm -hmm. um, the adelip, uh, fasting, and refat. Um, we have not done a dynamic um, careful time course study to see the dynamics, dynamic change. Um, um, that's my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Complicated. I, I think that's a terrific point. 
uh, we did not find changes in the insulin. However, the leptin level is decreased significantly in these animals. That's first. Second, let's don't uh, forget the uh, liver in the periphery tissue is a key player in the glucose homeostatic uh, regulation. And uh, I have data to show that when you knock out FOXO1 in the HRP neuron and in the liver, in the double knockout animals, we do see changes of insulin and glucagon. Mm -hmm. So there could be so the central nervous system and the peripheral liver tissue could have um, compensatory uh, function to regulate glucose homeostasis. So by only knocking out FOX1 in the brain, we may not be able to perceive the perturbation to the hormone levels. If you are interested, we can discuss about yeah, sure. double knockout data. Yeah, Thank you. Um, <coughs> So to measure the central insulin sensitivity, I turn to phospho-AKT because it's a because it's a critical um, downstream signaling molecule that's activated by insulin signaling uh, pathway. So we did not notice changes about in circulating insulin levels in this study. Um, so mice were fasted and refed, and I analyzed the phospho-AKT in the hypothalamus. As shown here, we do see increase of phospho-AKT in the hypothalamus of the knockout animals. When we zoom in, we see increase of phospho-AKT in the arcuate nucleus, concentrating in the medial basal part of the arcuate nucleus, consistent with HRP neuron localization. We also analyzed the phosphostat 3 as an indicator for leptin sensitivity in the central nervous system. Again, the mice were fasted and refed, and I, stand I did the phosphostat 3 standing in the hypothalamus. Again, we see the increase of phosphostat 3 in the hypothalamus, and when we zoom in, again, the signal concentrates in the ventral medial part of the arcuate nucleus, consistent with its um, HRP neuron localization. And in this case, we do, um, we, we did see significantly less circulating leptin during the feeding, reinforcing the idea that these animals are more leptin sensitive. So, as a brief summary, what we have learned so far. Um, Knockout animals are leaner and have improved energy homeostasis. FOXO1 ablation in HRP neurons increases both insulin and leptin sensitivity. Um, but what's next? Um, next, we want to identify FOXO1 target in HRP neurons. And if we are lucky to characterize alternative drug for pathways that regulate HRP neuron dependent food intake. So how to find the FOX1 target? Uh, we took uh, a straightforward approach to collect the HRP neurons from the wild-type animals and non-held animals. And uh, we did an uh, expression profiling study by doing the microarray analysis.
from the microarray result, we identified the GPR17 as a key target because its expression is remarkably suppressed in knockout AGRP neurons. And this is confirmed by the quantitative RT-PCR analysis shown here. GPR17 expression is remarkably reduced. And to the credit of Jurgen Bess's group at NIH, um, they also they also analyzed our data and identified the GPR17 as the most downregulated GPCR in the knockout expression profiles. So let me tell you a little bit of GPR17. It is a G-protein coupled receptor. Our data have shown that it is highly enriched in HRP neurons, and GPR17 activation can modulate iron channel activity, thus affect the neuronal uh, function. GPR17 has been proposed as a dual receptor for aerosol nucleotide and inflammatory lipids. It GPR17 is a GPCR and amenable to pharmacological manipulation. Therefore, it represents as a potential druggable target for obesity therapeutic intervention. You can maybe uh, can you go back for a minute. So, uh, no, go to the next one. So, I'm sorry, forward. Yeah, okay. So, where else is GPR17 expressed? Um, where else is GPR17 expressed? That's a great question. I will show you the last slide. Oh, okay, you show that. Good. Yeah. And then you say it modulates ion channel. What ion channels? Are you going to get to that later too? Um, I will touch briefly on that, but to identify the specific ion channel, I don't have data. Okay. Yeah. And what is the uh, what is the affinity? Um, Uh, it's in the that's a great question. Uh, it's in a published paper. The affinity is not very high. It's in the micromolar range. Uh, and is that consistent with the EC fifty? Yeah, EC fifty. Is that consistent?
Manipulating GPR-17 activity by pharmacological means in HRP neurons may regulate food intake. To critically test this hypothesis, I first uh, examined whether GPR-17 is a FOX1 target or not. Um, we have done the knockout study, then I did the in vitro overexpression study. I overexpressed FOX1 in neurojoy cell line. I found that overexpressing FOX01 GFP fusion protein or a constitutively active form of FOX01 increased uh, GPR17 expression significantly. And then I did a chromatin immunoprecipitation assay using the cell line. I have, um, this is the result. I have shown you that after pull down with FOX01 antibody, I can see that it interacts with the GPR17 promoter region, and I can amplify the DNA fragments corresponding to the proximal promoter. So based on this, I conclude FOX01 is, uh, GPR17 is a FOX1 target in HRP neuron. <coughs> and next, we analyzed the neuronal property by measuring the electrophysiology of Voltec and knockout HRP neuron. Showing here is a representative trace of HRP neuron from the Voltec and knockout animals. Uh, as shown here, um, knockout HRP um, neurons have reduced firing frequency and lowered membrane potential. Insulin treatment reduced uh, the firing frequency of Voltec well type neuron to a level compared to, comparable to knockout neurons, and the insulin treatment further reduced the knockout neuron firing frequency. So this is the quantified result. You can see that knockout HRP neurons have reduced the firing frequency and lowered the membrane potential, but retained sensitivity to insulin. Um, so so you're, you're proposing there this receptor has constituent activity. It's very interesting because it means that you could obviously knowing like it may not be so important. Oh, that's a very interesting question. Yes, in this study, we did not apply the ligand to the brain slices. Yeah. Um, but as you know, the UDP glucose and, and uh, UDP lactose um, are packed also in the uh, secretory vesicles at the neuronal <coughs> nerve signal, uh, nerve terminal. So they can be released together with neurotransmitters. So in this case, maybe the ligand is already present in at the neuronal terminal in the brain slices. Oh, I see. This was brain slice. This is the brain slice, not individually cultured neurons. Oh, okay. Yeah. Have you done the experiment in, in uh, neurons for knockout animals that are not, not slices? I have not done this. Okay. Um, okay. I can show you some results later on. Okay. Uh, not exactly the same as you mentioned, but. So. Well, to direct a, 
uh, test whether GPR-17 uh, is indeed in involved in this process, we decided to use GPR-17 antagonist uh, to treat the brain slices and measure the electrophysiology of clamped HRP neurons. This is the neuronal firing before treatment, this is after treatment, and this is a tabu uh, tabulated result. Uh, after GPR-17 antagonist treatment, we find reduced HRP neuron firing frequency, firing frequency and uh, we find the membrane potential is further reduced, indicating these HRP neurons are hypoactive. So, as a final test for the GPR-17 function, for the feeding behavior, we decided to do in vivo experiment by infusing GPR-17 agonist or antagonist into the mice and measure food intake uh, from the animals. Here is the experiment. I infused the GPR-17 agonist into the satiated animals in the morning. And we can see that Quickly after GPR-17 agonist infusion within 30 minutes, wild-type animals receiving GPR-17 agonist quickly increased the food intake, but this is not uh, observed in the knockout animals. What, what were the agonist and antagonist that you used? In this case, I used uh, the mixture of uh, UDP uh, glucose and uh, LTD4. As the agonist, and what was the antagonist? In the antagonist I used it is uh, Camberol. I'm sorry? Uh, Camberol. So oh, I see. There, it's right there. Okay. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um. So, if you GPR-17 agonist, we see the mice have increased food intake. Well, what about antagonizing GPR-17 activity? For this experiment, I fasted the mouse overnight, infused the GPR-17 antagonist, and re-fed the mice, and then measured the food intake for the rebound food intake. Here are the treatments. Um, the first hour after refeeding, I did not see a significant difference between the groups. However, subsequently, um, in the following three hours, I see that wild-type animals receiving pangolore treatment have significantly less rebound food intake. Well, this is not observed in the wild-type animal receiving um, um, receiving um, um, saline or knockout animals. So indeed. Inhibiting GPR-17 activity can reduce food intake. What could, the, what could be the potential mechanism to explain this? We think it could be uh, inhibiting GPR-17 activity increases leptin signaling sensitivity. Here I did this experiment to measure leptin sensitivity. I fasted the mouse overnight. I injected a GPR-17 antagonist or saline 
directly into the brain. And I refed the mouse and I detected a phosphostat 3 by immunofluorescence in AGRP uh, or PAMC genetically labeled animals. Here is a representing image to show in the wild type animals, um, phosphostat 3 is detected in AGRP neurons after refeeding. The red and the green signals represent AGRP neuron and the phosphostat 3. And indeed, they call they do at least a partial echolocalize. After GPR-17 antagonist cannabinoid treatment, you can see that phosphostat 3 uh, signaling is dramatically increased, and this is specifically co-localized with HRP neurons. You can appreciate the bright yellow um, signal. This is specific uh, for the HRP neurons. As you can see here on the right, the red neurons represent PAMC neurons. We do not uh, appreciate much overlapping. So based on this, we conclude GPR-17 is a direct FOX1 target in HRP neurons. And regulating GPR-17 activity affects food intake. Based on this, I present the working model. During fasting, FOX1, in the absence of leptin and insulin receptor signaling, FOX1 is present in the nucleus, and this leads to increased GPR17 expression. And this, in turn, leads to increased food intake and hepatic glucose production. Once insulin and the leptin signaling pathway is activated, FOX01 is excluded from the nucleus and uh, this reduces GPR17 level and then this inhibits food intake and hepatic glucose production. Well, with this working model, I would like to Propose GPR17 as a novel target for obesity and diabetes therapy, but there are still pro supporting uh, questions to be answered. So first, uh, um, I have shown you uh, plenty of supporting evidence in the past slide. For example, GPR17 is abundant in HRP neurons and regulated by the nutritional status, and it's a FOX1 target. GPR17 antagonist mimics the effect of FOX1 ablation and the pharmacological inhibition of GPR17 inhibits food intake. And finally, it, it is a GPCR and uh, we can pharmacologically uh, manipulate its function. But there are still critical questions to be answered before I can finally um, propose it as a novel target. Um, for example, in the previous report that GPR-17 is broadly distributed in the central nervous system. And uh, the specificity of GPR-17 agonist and antagonist used in the study is still questionable. And uh, finally, there is still lack of report on the metabolic effects of GPR-17 antagonist in the clinical use for the asthma treatment, for example. Does across the world that's a great question. So this could be due to multiple reasons. For example, pharmacokinetics, seen as bioavailability, whether they can um, 
still the brain barrier or not. Um, and also co-founders from the multiple comorbidities associated with a therapeutic indication. Um, so in the future, I think if um, we want, really want to develop a GPR-70 antagonist to regulate the central nervous system, uh, it has to pass the blood-brain barrier. So far, the inhibitor we used, Kangalor, has a triphosphate group, which is high, quite hydrophilic and uh, probably cannot pass the blood-brain barrier. In all my studies, I did the ICV intracellular ventricular delivery, which is directly into the brain. So um, uh, if we want to make a drug against it, it has to um, be able to pass the blood in barriers. <coughs> so in order to say it's a novel target, we there are still more things to do. And uh, there are several proof of concept studies we are doing now and we will continue to do in the future. And the strategy is uh, include first to make the loss of function mouse models and then to characterize the metabolic phenotypes of these mouse models. So I, we have made several loss of function animal models for this. For example, we made the GPR-17 HRP uh, neuron-specific conditional knockout animals and the whole body knockout animals. I also have the HRP neuron-specific GPR-17 knockdown by RNAi approach in adult animals. So these animal models uh, are complementary to each other. I'm going to show you uh, some preliminary results from uh, these animal models. Uh, it's still a work in progress. So it may be preliminary, but uh, I just want you to, to take a grain of salt. So first, uh, I injected uh, the pre-dependent uh, GPR-17 RNAi antivirus into the brain and into the brain of wild-type animals expressing AGRP Cre, and then I measured the food intake of these animals, as shown here. The blue bar represents control animals, the red bar represents uh, RAI um, animals. As you can see here, during dark cycle, the um, GPR-17 knockdown animals um, have significantly less food intake. And this is the accumulative food intake analysis during the five-day period. So, Knockdown GPR-17 in HRP neurons reduces food intake. The next, I'm going to show you my study in the HRP neuron-specific GPR-17 conditional knockout animals. We have generated the GPR-17 lox, lox mice. Um, this is a representative study of the genotyping result. As shown here, this is a type allele, this is a lox allele, and this is a delta. Mice have um, embryonic activation of creativity 
like number four will be excluded from the study. We only studied the AGRP neuron specific non-health animals. As shown here, the wild type animals has a GPR17 locks locks allele. These mice are compar totally comparable to the wild type allele that's uh, GPR17 without locks allele. And uh, the knockout animal have GPR17 locks locks and uh, also has AGRP iris create transgene. And as you can see here, when the mice were fed on trial diet, uh, their body weight uh, trends lower once they reach adulthood. But upon weaning, their body weight is comparable, indicating no obvious developmental defects. So then um, I measured their body composition and food intake. Here I can show you when the mice were fed on child diet. This is the fat mass of the wild-type and knockout cohort, and this is the lean mass of the wild-type and knockout cohort. These mice have significant knockout animal have significantly reduced the fat mass but increased the lean mass. Um, this is a food intake measurement. Um, I can see that during dark phase, the Knockout animals eat significantly less and consistent with our previous hypothesis. Um, I put the mice into the um, metabolic cage for the indirect calorimetry analysis, and there are several key parameters we measured. The first is energy expenditure. Mm, we did not see um, significant change between wild type and knockout animals. Um, and, but activity, the knockout animals trend less during the dark phase. Um, it's interesting that these animals move less but spend a uh, comparable amount of energy. So once we normalize the energy expenditure by the locomotion count, uh, I found that these animals are less energy efficient. Their energy expenditure per locomotion count is significantly increased. This study actually suggests that the effect of non-general effect on day, your activity is the same. It's only at night when you're doing more food for Yes. So suggesting you're not affecting
uh, we have done glucose tolerance test and carbonated tolerance test. Uh, in, on the upper panel, you see here is the glucose tolerance test after overnight fasting. Um, these knockout animals have uh, better glucose excursion during the test. And we also used the mice shortly fasted during daytime and then injected a pervert to uh, analyze gluconeogenesis. As you can see here, again, these mice have a better glucose excursion, indicating they have improved glucose homeostasis. Um, but whether this is due to hepatic glucose production or not, I don't have a clear answer yet because we have not done this plant. But it's a good indication. Um, to go back to John's question about the iron channel uh, question, so I did some in vivo, in, uh, in vitro study using the cell line. In this case, I I expressed the GPR17 GFP in the neural 2 cell line, which has minimal basal GPR17 expression, as shown here. Um, then we did the electrophysiology study using patch clamp approach. As shown here, uh, these uh, neural cells expressing GPR17 GFP fusion protein have higher resting membrane potential, which is consistent with our previous data in that knockout animals have reduced resting uh, membrane potential. So this indicates that um, it may uh, function by regulating iron channels to modulate the membrane potential of neurons. But exactly what type of neuron and how, I'm not sure. And this will be included in the future study. Um, um, well, we are also interested in the whole body knockout mice. I did initial profiling of the of the GPR17 whole-body knockout mouse. In this case, I measured the accumulated food intake. Again, I see a trend of reduced food intake uh, during the six-day measurement. And I also put the, these mice into the indirect calorimetry uh, analysis. We found these mice have increased energy expenditure during daytime and dark phase. Um, this is different from the HRT neuron specific knockout animal, uh, as I showed you in the previous two slides. So, indicating maybe there's GPR17 is also expressed in other tissues and maybe also other neuronal types. So. We are also interested to further study those and find the answer. Um, as a short conclusion so far, we show you that pharmacological manipulation of GPR-70 activity regulates food intake. Knocking out GPR-70 in indirect neurons affects feeding and glucose metabolism, and whole body knockout affects energy balance. For the future plan, uh, we are interested in what's the detailed molecular pathway of GPR-17 in neurons, including the signaling pathway molecules, as well as the 
neurospecific um, ion channels. And uh, what's the function of GPR-17 in metabolic regulation within the central nervous system as well as beyond the central nervous system? So I'll show you a quick slide of GPR-17 beyond the central nervous system. Uh, we also made the GPR-17 um, reporter mice. Um, the beta-gal uh, reporter is <coughs> inserted under the endogenous GPR-17 promoter, and then we did the staining. Um, we have detected the GPR-17 the beta-gal signal in the pancreatic islet, as well as the glandular portion of the GI tract for them in the uh, glandular stomach and uh, in part of the intestines. And uh, as a um, one study we have done is to measure whether, since GPR-17 expression is detected in the eyelid, we want to know whether it affects insulin secretion or not. Um, I overexpressed the GPR-17 in min-6 beta cells in vitro and uh, measured the insulin secretion from these um, eyelids, uh, from these beta cells. And uh, here I show you that Indeed, TPR-17 overexpression reduced insulin secretion in these um, beta cells. So there is a lot to do, and uh, we only find we have more unknown than was already known. So uh, with this, I'd like to thank um, everybody who have uh, given me guidance and. Uh, Help in the past five years, especially Mumo, that's been a great mentor, and uh, also our collaborators in Colombia and uh, um, for example, um, Sharon and Woody uh, and uh, uh, Aaron Chivola, and also our collaborators elsewhere. And uh, thank you all for the funding from Mary Fellowship. Thank you very much. Very nice. Yeah. Weight 
you'll get an increase. And usually you lose both fat and muscle in some proportion. You usually don't gain muscle. So And the whole way why I put up on the high fat diet. Yeah. I do see there the of course the fat mass increased, mm -hmm. but the lean mass also increased and is um, maybe significant. It's still a work in progress. I don't have the final data yet. So I do indeed see the increase of the mass. Well, you would expect that. I guess the question is, does it increase proportionally as in, as in non uh, knockout animals that are overfed? In other words, they'll get an increase in fat. But if you overfeed any animal, they'll get yes. an increase in both meat and fat. Right. But they do it in certain Yes. So the question is, you get a disproportionate increase in It's a very interesting question because it may help you understand some of the peripheral mechanisms or even central. Was the nasal amyloid increased? The local lean mass kind of like a black Yes, that's a great, great question. I have not measured the BMI yet. I have not killed <laughs> My mouse number is limited, so I have not killed it. I would measure the BMI. But, but this is really beautiful. You've made so much progress. Anybody who's on that study section sees they can answer the yeah. question they ask you. Does it give you this grant? I think it's, you know, Sorry, did you want to ask a question? She's been saying percentage of lean mass and fat mass on absolute numbers. Yes, it's I'm not, It's not surprising that right. it goes up Yes, I'm presenting the percentage. Yeah. Oh, I see. That so, was percent. Yes, yeah, percent. That's that's. Ah, uh, so does the absolute? I'm sorry, I missed. Does the absolute lean body mass go up? I'm betting the lean mass stays exactly the same. It does. Stay same. From looking at the, from my, I was looking at the data very carefully, trying to figure that out. Actually, uh, that okay. exact question. You know, I'm betting that the lean mass stays exactly the same. You're actually seeing some variation. So you're seeing a selective loss of fat. Yeah. Okay, that that's different. Is it? You might go back and look at the data and see if the mean is actually staying the same or increasing. Okay. 